Hello and welcome to the Antipoda, where unrest is best. I'm Jamie Peck. I'm Sean KB. I'm AP Andy. And we are here with our very good friend, Virgil Texas. How you doing, Virgil? Not bad. Thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. I think the last time we uh, had you on the show, it was at our friend's loft party. Remember some some kid got really (laughs) freaky and started yelling your name like halfway through? No, I don't. Well, that's, that's we were all in good. a bit of a state at that point in time. It yeah. was some interesting content. <laughs> I I was skeptical that that was going to work. That format was going to work out to begin with. And you know what? I think I was right. You don't remember we interviewed a bunch of people in the middle of a huge party? <laughs> yeah, that's like the podcast version of last night's party. Right. Oh boy, it's like too the, soon. The late 2010s version of like Toilet Snake or one of those like party <laughs> photographers. <laughs> The toilet snake. Hey, stop it. She's so bad. We're having got, cat problems. I got 99 problems and cats are most of them, folks. This is what we get for all finding ourselves in the same room together for the first time in God mm-hmm. knows how long. Probably for seven, eight, nine, ten months, something like that. It the feels pandemic. like it's been years. Yeah, it's been feels like forever. It feel, like it feels like a long time and a short time at the same time. It, the only thing it doesn't feel like is the actual length of time that it's been. The pandemic, at least in New York City, New York State, tends looks to be under control. I saw today that there's like every day there's less than three hundred new cases, which is great compared to like April. And also the transmission rate is like well below one at this point. So we're starting to, I don't know, I'm starting to feel like we won. Feeling, starting to feel like we defeated this virus. Mission, Mission accomplished. accomplished. Yeah, sure. I mean, they say a second wave is coming, but I've seen no evidence of that. So I'm choosing to ignore it. Being in a room with three other people feels, uh, feels dangerous. I feel like we shouldn't even uh, be owning up to this. On the pod, you know, we got to set a good example. I watch uh, television shows, you know, that were filmed whenever, like a year I've seen ago those. or 10 years ago. And um, I see people talking close to each other and I get this kind of primal fear about social distancing, <laughs> just like watching people on TV. Same. So. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? I was just I was just looking at photos from our DSA emerged church party that we threw during the convention and we are all like sharing a microphone at karaoke <laughs> and we're like hugging each other and like sitting in each other's laps. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing? And then I got really sad because I don't know when we're going to be able to do that again. Yeah. Well, New York is showing signs of uh, opening up a bit. Virgil, we were just talking about the uh, restaurant and bar scene and how kind of weird and liminal that is. Yeah, that's exactly what people listen to podcasts for, is to hear people who live in Brooklyn talk about local favorites. Uh, yeah, it, it is. It's it's this weird liminal period where it's not normalcy, but it's also not quarantine. And it's honestly kind of the worst aspects of both. It's a new normal. It's. I mean, I'm getting used to it. I don't know. We were just talking before the show about how like no one's allowed to fucking go anywhere or do anything. So dinner is like really magnified in, it, in its importance. There's an interesting phenomenon in New York now, though, where there'll be like, which is exactly what I hope would happen. There'd be street parties and outdoor raves and uh, like, you know, generator raves and stuff um, with, you know, people wearing masks and there's, you know, hand sanitizer booths everywhere and it's unpermitted and like vaguely connected to the Black Lives Matter and stuff. 
But then there's always like a big backlash the next day where like the people who all the DJs and the promoters are are deeply shamed for it. Yeah. I mean, our friend uh, friend of the show, John Barclay, owner of Bossa Nova, actually apologized for giving uh is Yerba Mate Soda to one of those events because he didn't know how irresponsible it was going to be. I don't think it was that. I think it, being outside right now is okay. I, I wasn't there. I don't know like how close people were getting, but... It sounds like it was kind of dicey. Pizza in that box. Hey, you get down from there. <laughs> Fucking cats. Cats eating the pizza. Yo, I feel, I feel personally, this is just me, I feel extremely alienated and kind of disinterested and not keyed into this entire electoral process. Well, everyone I feel is. Like, everyone yeah. is. But That's I feel not like just you. you guys probably aren't because you guys are both on the front lines of this shit as wonks. What, is, what does that mean? Jamie and, what does that mean, the front wow. lines? Jamie and Virgil are wonks. So. I have Vanguard never party. been accused of wonkery before, but I'll take it. How is being a wonk? Jesus Christ. Come on. Come on. Cats. 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 Again, ornery. Meow. I'm going to exile... Meow. Exile these cats to the bathtub. They Off don't, the island. Uh, don't get their shit together. I was being a wonk uh, on the front lines. I'm saying like you guys, I feel like Jamie because of what she does at the majority report and Virgil because you're a wonk. You guys kind of, I think, I feel like that you take in more information than the average person. I, oh, for really? example, like, I've, I've muted the term Joe Biden on Twitter. <laughs> for example, I'm completely uninterested. I don't pay attention. I don't read the paper. Well, about how about it. this? When you walk, when you walk down the street, do you see any Joe Biden shit? Never. You see ever. Joe Biden. I've never seen a Joe Biden bumper sticker. Never. I've never seen a sign in a window. I've seen them outside of New York City. I've seen them upstate. I saw a few in New Hampshire. That's about it. Well, this is the place he's relying on to to urban areas to to you know run up the score. Yeah, I should say. Okay, a few wonk facts that I found out recently. See, closet wonk. Go oh ahead. my god. Um, facts about wonks. You mean? Uh, Fun wonk facts. Wonky, wonky wonks facts. Wonks tend to be more loving. Uh, uh, wonks have a disposition to anger sometimes. <laughs> wonks tend to have beautiful hair. I'm lucky at you, Virgil. <laughs> it's, it's looking very nice and fluffy today. Um, it's just nice to see other human beings. <laughs> I'm going to be giving everybody lots of compliments today. Everyone looks beautiful to you when you haven't seen another human in six months. No offense to they Virgil, call that They call that Rona goggles. Great. You got Rona goggles. <laughs> no, seriously, everyone is so horny, too. It's, it's, it's going to be a real... I don't want to open up uh, that bag of potato chips right now. But well, this is a great segue to talk about Joe Biden. to be real. <laughs> oh, my when God. When I think horny, I think of Joe. What did, so, you, what did you learn about Wax? Uh, yeah, you learned things about no, Wax. it's so boring. It's boring. No, no, no. I, I just... Um, you know how the Democrats have been losing the quote-unquote white working class for decades? Apparently, that's, they're rebounding a little bit among uh, those folks. No shit. Yeah, I imagine. And because they have no choice. I mean, they, have, they always have a choice. But also, um, we've been having some discussions about uh, the suburbs, how a lot of this is going to run through the suburbs, and how, based on polls, like in that depressing Eric Levitt's piece, um, even if you look at meat and potatoes issues like Medicare for all, um, the more educated people, which tracks roughly with how much money they have, are tend to be uh, at least in terms of if you're just polling Democrats, more progressive 
in their ideology than uh, people with less money and voters, regular voters, more progressive than people who don't vote on the regs, which kind of uh, casts doubt on this uh, electoralism as a leftist tactic mm. in the first place. Like some, some libs take a look at it and they're like, oh, wow, we need to be better at appealing to wealthy suburban liberals because they're who has progressive politics. They're could vote for Bernie. That's not what I but think. The gambit of the Bernie Sanders campaign is that there's a there was a vast well out there of like, you know, people only marginally attached to the Democratic Party or alienated from politics that you could rile up. But there was this this like undercurrent of America in America of like left populism that you could open that up with a candidate yeah, like that Bernie would and vote, change the entire spectrum. People of would politics. vote for their own material interests given the chance to do so. Right, but it didn't, turns out didn't work out. Uh, it's not as simple as all that because you don't always make the connection, especially when you've spent your whole entire life being told, I, I mean, getting evidence that politics are a bunch of bullshit that has no effect on your life. Um, I don't think like, like the, con the, the one, the correspondence between people's material conditions and their ideology is not one-to-one. -one. No. I'll I mean, say that you much. also kind of have to look at the demographics of who votes in democratic primaries and look at it in terms of income at least, uh, guessing who won Democratic voters over who make over $100,000 a year versus who make over under 30000 a year. But I think it's in the middle, like the PMCs, shall we say, who I are... I think we're banning PMC, the term PMC uh, from the show. It's also like, I think income... <laughs> that's fair. I'm over PMC Income now. I, I really, in and of ugh. itself is not necessarily the best way to think about Listen, class. Listen, the professional managerial class is a transitory intermediate stratum that can't be called a class and has been in decline since at least the 1980s and 1990s. So don't try to turn it into its own class fraction that's able to dictate leftist politics or whatever. I'm not talking to Jamie. I'm not talking to Virgil. I'm not talking to Andy. I'm talking about uh, I'm talking just to you. various uh, interlocutors online. PMC yeah, discourse, enough. over. A sun hater had a pretty good uh, demolition there of is a it real thing in his there. Uh, substack real, that I encourage everyone to check out. It, it's it's there. People are trying to get it to do more work than. Oh it's yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, no. It's just it's just another way of calling someone an asshole. Oh, but what I'm what, bringing middle class back. Yeah, what else? It's just, it's just it's just it's just calling someone an asshole. There is yeah, there is there is a a real thing, but it has a very limited definition and limited theoretical usefulness. Yeah, it's yeah. descriptive but not analytic. I was actually th I've been thinking recently like middle class is a way better understander of this than it's like got class right certain like vague cultural and political identities. I don't know. I mean, middle class is also just a made up bullshit term that's also yeah. well, but frankly, it's a tried and true made up bullshit well, term. what i was <laughs> gonna is, say I mean, it's just okay yeah. was that i sidebar looking at people's income is you know, middle class started that was the original term for pmc yeah it was that's how that it's started not, and the, but the middle class started as the bourgeoisie which was middle between aristocracy yeah, well, like, and the working class it's, it's had totally semantic the, shift it's totally construction workers it's totally are the middle no class uh, yeah, but they often do not get included in the PM pmc feels like a cultural dog whistle a lot of the time it is that's what it's used for want to talk about classes like, and identity we, we rather say, than a social relation when we say pmc british people are confused I'm like oh you mean tony rogers <laughs> that one went right over my head. I'm sure the listeners will appreciate I'm sure that. Sure, all, all our British <laughs> listeners will appreciate that. What was I going to say? All five of them. I totally forgot what I was going to say. Um, I'm sorry, Jamie. I still used on that. Oh my god. Oh well, income. First of all, not the best way to look at class, but they don't do polls based on people's relationship to the means of production. At least not they yet. Start. So we don't really have any data 
on that, which would be more illuminating. Also, sort of interesting. I mean, people have made hay of the fact that um, Bernie and other progressive candidates are doing well with uh, sort of liberal suburban voters, but he does. He did even better in uh, urban centers, which I think is a fact that complicates that a little bit. There's also regional variations there. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's a weird process. Let's uh, let's talk a little bit about this uh, creepy Joe Biden character yeah, who because, seems to be on the lips of many. Because the Bernie Sanders phenomenon is very much in the past. You know, mm-hmm. people want to still relitigate this, but folks, we're over it now. Joe Biden is our candidate now. He's we have our to man. accept that. He's our man. All hands on deck, folks. Right. So you can hold out for what you want, or you can, you can live play in the purity, real world. purity politics. Yeah. How about you grow up, Mister? <laughs> so I also I want to know. I have no idea who Joe Biden is. I've never I've never seen any information about him. Uh, I'm not on Twitter at yeah. the moment, so I nobody talks to me about him. Say, hey, how about Joe? You know, oh, you're not on Twitter him. anymore. You get no discourse. I'm not getting any discourse. Wow. It's, wow. It's, it's, Biden doesn't have a lot of street buzz. People don't come up to you and be like, look at this video of this strange old man. <laughs> That's like something that on, like people only talk about him on Twitter. <laughs> I also, you know, of course, living in New York, we're not, you know, in the tri-state area. None of these are swing states. Right. I don't really see any advertisements for Joe Biden. I saw one. I've seen exactly one ad for Joe Biden while watching American Dad. <laughs> wow. Wow. Was it the one where he's driving a car and you're like, oh, geez, is it, he going to crash into that tree? Or This was like a montage. I don't know. It was on mute. So something about the economy. <laughs> no, I mean, nobody cares. None of these ads are going to do shit. <laughs> like no one's paying attention to that. Uh, nobody who supports Joe Biden well, can know. name any of his fucking American policies. Dad in Florida or Georgia or Texas or Michigan, you're seeing a ton of Joe Biden ads that are remind <laughs> you of the existence of Joe Biden. That's Biden entirely does possible. kind of look like an American dad character. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Biden played by Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> So I've That's what they'll do when, when Biden dies and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> Where's uh we just animate him? <laughs> People won't know the difference. They're only getting their Biden information while watching. Nobody ever Dad. sees him in person, right? Oh, Biden's just... looking good these days. <laughs> Is a, lot, he? a lot more colorful. A lot of bright colors. Yeah. Like that I mean... crisp line outline. <laughs> and his voice is funny and he sings <laughs> I would watch that show. Best new character on American Dead. I don't watch it, but I assume that it would be a humorous scenario Yo, to is, see. Is Joe Bi- are we asking, is Joe Biden going to win or are we looking at like what he represents? Oh, what are we okay, talking about? So Jamie, Jamie, I wanted us. to spotlight this interesting phenomena of leftists, particularly older leftists mm. who, you know, are able to pull rank on us young upstarts Baby by saying, boomers, if you will. we've been around the block and we know what's up and All we're right. going to tell some truths to you, All young right. leftists, boomers, Virgil, um, some, of, some of whom I respect very much, like, um, you know, Angela Davis, Noam Chomsky, et cetera. One uh, of them was a guest on the show. In, indeed. That, I did not even have that on that my bingo card for this year. <laughs> Antifada guest uh... writes a letter telling young leftists to grow up 
and check support your privilege. Joe Biden and check your privilege. Literally, that's what he said. Uh, Barbara <laughs> so, Ehrenreich, I think, is on these. She is, yeah. So I thought we could go over some of what's in these letters and then okay. maybe and then implore them our listeners bit. to vote for Joe Biden after they hear the most persuasive <laughs> arguments. So let's see. The nation has done two of these now. Um, the first one is from a group of former leaders from the SDS, uh, and it is addressed from the old left to the the old new left, rather, to the new new left. The old left is based. Oh I don't think the old left would ever, if they were still alive today, they would not be haranguing us to vote for Joe Biden. Although, would, wouldn't that be interesting to see, like, Eugene Debs's position on uh, any of this I stuff? I did find a great Trotsky effect that endorsed Joe Biden, and it's a wonderful text. I guess Bob Avakian also endorsed Joe mm-hmm. Biden. Communist Party USA, baby. Mm-hmm. Wait, Bob Avakian endorsed Joe Biden? Yeah. Is that a joke or is that serious? No, you don't watch Fox News, apparently. It's like, <laughs> it's like a big, <laughs> big story on Fox News. So here's a letter. I'm going to read some of it. I'm going to read some of these letters and then we can talk about it. So from this one, it goes, all of us have charged for years that Trump is the leader of an authoritarian party that aims for absolute power, which, you know, parties are supposed to do. Supposed yeah, to get that's, power. That's the goal. Rejects climate science. Joe Biden got an F from the Sunrise Movement, but what are you going to do? Embraces racism, sexism, homophobia. Biden was literally a diversity hire from the Obama campaign to get like old suburban racists on board. But now... Uh, not to mention the crime bill, of course. Now somehow it's, it's woke that you support him. Uh, holds the democratic process in contempt. Bids to take over the entire federal judiciary, which... You know, again, that's something that the Democrats should be doing because the party is supposed to get power. Whatever. Represses voting rights and violates plain human decency on many fronts. How dare you, sir? Norms. Norms. These are the grounds for our solemn determination. A common effort to unseat him is our high moral and political responsibility. And then they do a little history on us, all right? Boring. Uh, I know you guys like history, so... Yeah, but this is boring history. Let's see. In our time, we fought, for a time successfully, against the sectarian politics of the Cold War. Of Trotskyists. (laughs) We were mindful then of the cataclysm that befell German democracy when socialists and communists fought each other to death as Hitler snuck by oh, and then murdered them Hitler all. during the Johnson administration? <laughs> what, what are you claiming? Exactly? I believe they're both sizing the murder of Rosa Luxemburg, would you say? Oh, wow. Would you say that's accurate? Sure, yeah. Yeah, we all know that the Social Democrats gave up Rosa Luxemburg to the right-wing death squads because um, the communists were not being nice enough they're to them. They're not talking about the German Revolution. I don't. No, they're not talking about the German. They're talking about how... There wasn't a united front created between the KDP and the SPD. No, it's, they're talking about the popular front versus the united front. Oh, the, okay. The, I just wanna, the, so they're trots. I, just wanna, I don't know who they are, but... I just want to note that David Horowitz could literally be writing this. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know who that is. Oh, he's, he, was, uh, uh, he was a Trotskyist in the 60s, a new left radical who became far, far right wing. Now he goes on speaking tours about like communist radical, radical professors and how they're indoctrinating the youth into Marxism. Well, that, that's kind of exactly. the thing that bothers me about these letters by leftists who endorse Biden. And they're like, you have to listen to us because like we were around. We've been around for so long. We're the smartest people. 
all these leftists in the 60s, first of all, they failed. You failed. I miserably. Failed. I don't have to listen to you. You're losers. <laughs> I, you know, I respect you for certain listen reasons. Listen to the New York but... Jets. They'll tell you how to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> and second of all, you can be a well, Trotskyist. Actually, no, the New York Jets actually won a Super Bowl. Yeah, it's like, listen to the Chicago Cubs <laughs> tell you how to play baseball. <laughs> But second of all, you can be an SDS or Trotskyist or an SNCC or whatever group you were a part of, whatever legitimacy you had, and other people in the organization will disagree with you on these things. Right. So it's not like you, you like we should just listen to you because you're old, yeah. <laughs> because you're familiar with this stuff. You need to actually make a political point here. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I, maybe they're getting to that. Let's continue. So the is we were dipshit losers in the 60s who turned <laughs> to the right during the Reagan years. Uh, and we're here to tell you that you need to turn to the right also. That, I mean, mm-hmm. basically. So now we fear that some on the left cannot see the difference between a capitalist uh, Democrat there, and a proto-fascist. We hope none of us learn this difference from jail cells. What's that line about uh, fascism being capitalism in decay? Yeah. Wouldn't a capitalist yeah. Democrat be a proto-fascist uh, in that rubric? Who is writing this again? Is this the, the large group of, of boomer leftists are writing this collectively SDS, at us? SDS, folks. It's another open letter, which, by the way, why did we bring back open letters? They're all fucking terrible. They're terrible. So, some also, of how us. Come, have you ever been invited to <laughs> sign an open letter? Not even one. I have not. That is fucked up. That, that is yeah. fucking hose. I would probably sign it, but they you never asked me. Sign get any on open the, letter that the back channels that I'm on. Yeah. So Folks, I would love to sign an open feel letter. Feel free to email Virgil Texas your open letter. He said he doesn't know, he doesn't care what the content is. He'll I don't sign care. it I just regardless. Love open letters. We should yeah. write an open letter to the people who did this open letter and demand that they include Virgil in it. Yeah, that's, that's good. What I that's to, really no, good. I was gonna. I was thinking about writing that. An open letter. You should write an open letter to de- letters. to demand that you be on the next well, open letter. I will sign your open serve. letter if Thank you want to do that. All right, we're on cheers. board. All right. <laughs> okay, now we're cooking with gas because right, an cheers. open letter is like it's like a party. You know, you want to yeah. be invited, but you have to know who the guest list is to see if it's worth your while. <laughs> Sometimes you have to recommend a friend, you know, before you can bring them. No, sure. I would put together a cool as fuck open letter. Uh, lens, all... lens signing. I don't know. I'm gonna sit this one out. <laughs> Sorry, Jamie, we've been uh, <laughs> riffing all over you. So go on with the letter, sorry. So here's where it gets interesting. Some of us think, quote, endorsing Joe Biden is a step too far. But we who now write this open letter all know that we must work hard to elect him. What the fuck is that supposed to mean? If, endor- if some of you think endorsing him is a step too far, like what are we supposed to do? What does that mean, work hard to elect him? Yeah, I mean, I don't honestly. He's not working hard to work. <laughs> no. What, what I'm really getting isn't. at uh, in a lot of these letters is like it's kind of unclear what they are actually asking of us. Yeah, where's right? the ask? I mean, the ask is usually at the end, right? So, like, where, where, like everyone knows, a good like organizing one on one will end with a concrete ask. Yes. And it seems like they just want us. All they want us to do is like say that we support Joe Biden and want so right moral because there are not enough leftists in swing states to make a difference with their votes uh, and i feel like a lot i mean maybe maybe not i feel like a lot of leftists in swing states will probably suck it up eventually and vote against trump if if they uh, andy looks like he's got something to I say i think the ask with this letter is the same as the cancel culture letter it's just stop your bad attitude just stop <laughs> arguing with us. Stop thinking something stop different. Quit that stinking yeah. thinking, like who, Weisenheimer. What are they hoping to achieve? Like who, well, who's, who's benefit? Did they write the this? End of the letter? Before no. you even, 
There's no actual ask. Okay, oh, okay. so we got so just work hard to elect him. All right. What do you but, mean work hard? What do you want this, me to do? Was this written before or during the COVID crisis? Because uh, I think this one now. was it no. Just this came one was out? from this before. It was before. There's oh. a new if, one. Because before, I mean, yeah, you could argue that that you could go fo- like into a group and phone drive for him, or you could go door to door. You could try to convince your neighbors. But, here's but the thing. now, what can you even do to elect Joe Biden? Here's the thing: the Trump campaign is knocking on about a hundred thousand doors a day. Biden campaign is knocking on zero because they're not doing campaigning because of the pandemic, which is the right thing to do. Which is the right thing to do, yeah. yeah. I mean, you can make phone calls and stuff. You think there's a Biden dialer? You think that exists and is functional? Probably not. <laughs> but also, I, I want to note this. Like, what is actually the efficacy at this point? Because, honestly, we're talking about an election that is probably going to have something on the level of 130 million votes. And is that low? are people not... I mean, that's what it was last time around. So are okay. people... Uh, what's the idea here? Like, hey, by the way, there's an election coming up. Uh, hey, let me talk to you about Donald Trump. I know you haven't really heard a lot about this guy, but he's actually a piece of shit who sucks. I think the ask, if I'm being generous, is that leftists in swing states vote for Joe Biden, which... I mean, I there is an efficacy to having a large, you know, a, a great mobilization of campaign volunteers for something like the Iowa caucus or something like a congressional primary where there's a very small number of people who vote and where you can actually convince people, you can actually get people who wouldn't otherwise vote. But at this point, I mean, it's all pretty much baked in. And I feel like we're all just doing this. People who are uh, saying like, oh, it's very important that you vote are just kind of doing this to make themselves feel good. I, I, I think, too, that more than probably most elections, this election's a referendum on Donald Trump. Yeah, you know, it is. If it is. Half the people, maybe some percentage of the people who vote for Biden will simply be voting to get Trump out of office. And it, it kind of reminds me of... Yeah, I mean, they said so in the, poll, in the primary polls. Like, yeah, they want Even people who Trump support Medicare out. for all voted for Joe Biden and they listed their first priority as getting rid of Trump. I mean, we're all all old enough, I think, to maybe not have voted during this time, but certainly to remember the election of 2004 between George W. Bush and John Kerry. And John Kerry, I think it's fair to say in retrospect, ran a very feckless, desultory campaign. He kind of, he was arguing that he would be a more competent um, executor of the war and a more, like a kinder have a kinder domestic policy at home. But because he had voted for the Iraq war also, it was very difficult to he see really the large difference. There. I, don't, I, don't, I don't think that was a winnable campaign for Kerry. His, I think that just, the, I mean, that was the last time Republicans got a majority in the nation uh, uh, since 1988. And I, I just feel like just the particulars of the war were enough for uh, Bush to win. I don't think it would have anything really moved the needle that much. Do you remember how savage um, just American society was in 2004 leading up to that? Oh, yeah. Things were blowing up in Iraq. People were scared. People were angry. And there was... I feel like the Democrats tried to get over the line with a kind of moral revulsion and a similar sort of, let's go back to norms. Let's go back to when the president didn't lie to you about WND. Let's go back to like a kinder, gentler administration. And in 2004, it did not work for... It didn't work because people had not turned against the war. It was like, honestly, if they, that election had happened in 2005 in November, then Kerry would have won. Right. Because it was at that point that everyone was like, wait a minute, this war is not going well. What the fuck are you talking about? And the stakes were so high then, and they're really high now. But I think that, you know, despite... 
Biden maybe being a worse candidate somehow than John Kerry. I think that that revulsion towards Trump and what he stands for, I think just because of how absolutely obscene and <laughs> vulgar and um, useless Donald Trump is, I think it's going to get Biden over the line. Oh, absolutely. I Unlike mean, like, 2004. Like, 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 as, as I alluded to earlier, like Biden is the disappearing candidate. It's None of this is about him. And that's what's... That's what's really interesting to me, and I think there's a there's a kind of peril in this, uh, but it's also quite unprecedented that almost all of the news coverage of the election is about Donald Trump, and very little of it is about the guy that we all assume is going to win, <laughs> that everyone thinks is a shoo-in at this point. And if you look back to 2016, of course, Donald Trump got the lion's share of coverage. He got, uh, well, you know, with his controversies and all the racist shit he was saying. But there was still a fair amount of coverage of, you know, of, of uh, early, you know, uh, preemptive coronation of Hillary right. Clinton, of imagining what the first female president's cabinet is going to look like, how she's going to cover it. You know, the, you read articles that are like, you know, Hillary Clinton learned... Uh, you know, uh, restrain at Wellesley or crap like that. You know, look how that's, uh, it was all very, it was all very personal and celebrity based because, you know, people were fascinated with Hillary Clinton, the idea of a first female president. This time around, absolutely nobody gives a shit about Joe Biden. Nobody cares about what kind of president he would be. Nobody cares about his temperament or right. that shit. Anytime anyone talks about know. him on a personal level, it's, uh, to parry some attack from Trump. Like, recently it was, uh, actually, Joe Biden is a good Catholic and he goes to Sunday school or whatever. Like, who gives a shit? What the fuck are you talking about? And this is, it's perilous, of course, because, well, that's similar to 2016, where, yeah. of course, everyone thought Hillary would win and she fucking ate shit. Uh, but as well, it's, it's surreal, isn't it? I mean, isn't this rather important it's to know what the political dynamics are going to be in six months to know yeah. what kind of government we're going to have when the next president you know presumably biden is going to be faced with frankly existential crises my theory of like why it makes sense to have biden in this situation although it like objectively it's very bizarre if people were just to think clearly about why the senile man is like the presumed president who has no ideas. It's because the the Democrats aren't looking for the right charismatic candidate. They're looking for a generic Democrat mm -hmm. because when they poll, generic Democrat is the strongest Democrat. People like this idea of just the centrist, the technocrat, the person who's vaguely on the right side of right, progressive right, right. issues but isn't, is going to compromise on economic issues. Uh, you know, all this generic Dem stuff polls the best. The problem is, in practice, which is when you actually have to have people espousing these views and explaining them and debating them and enacting them, it doesn't work because the center is falling apart. Yes. So that's kind right, of so like... That's, that's the, right, so that is the strategic logic behind the Biden campaign and his allies in the media and uh, you know pretty much everyone else who wants him to win, which is, um, let's just not talk about him because it doesn't matter because the Trump campaign right. is so transparently corrupt. I mean, the Trump administration is so transparently corrupt and incompetent that honestly, people will just accept whatever the alternative, which might be correct. Like, I, 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 I would say that's a reasonable bet at this point, but... At the same time, can you name one of Biden's economic advisors? 
Fuck no. I tried to look it up, and I found a Times article from June saying Biden campaign campaign is tight-lipped about who's advising him on the economy. (laughs) That's unprecedented in the modern era. We have absolutely no fucking idea of who is, and this is in contrast to Trump, who's released like, hey, I'm going to put these religious psychos on the Supreme Court. We have no idea who his people are going to be. Instead, it's just a widespread, and I'll I'll call it a fantasy, uh, that... Biden is, he's this this master signifier for liberals who can represent whatever their desires are. And right now, their desires are the negation of all things Trump, right? And nobody wants to pierce that fantasy. Nobody wants to be the one to point out says, uh, who says, uh, well, wait a minute, what is he actually going to do with 20 million, 40 million unemployed? What is he actually going to do about the economic carnage, the total fucking breakdown in society? No, no, no. Well, he's not Trump. It's fine. Uh, and that's, that's a fucking hazard because it means we're all pretending to be on the same page, but we're actually not on the same yeah. page. The basic pitch of Biden is that we're going to turn back the clock to the Obama administration, right? We're going to cleanly, you know, undo I was gonna I was thinking like control what is undo it's control you right Con- I believe control, it's control, control Z? Z control Z yeah. we're gonna control Z fuck why am I even trying this you know what undo means fuck it <laughs> <laughs> we're all we're have the word cl- press up in our heads we're gonna turn back the clock to uh, you know the mid 2010s when we had a dignified president and things were not you know so bad yeah, everything terrible. was great for everyone in the in the 2010s but, hang on when I hear we want to go back to the Obama administration, I think, what the fuck? That was a fucking disaster. And that that was the the, the uh, uh, political schema that l- directly led to Trump. Right. And to this point, Obama is not the opposite of Trump. Trump is an escalation of the things that, frankly, started long ago, but were continued through the Obama administration. Which is Andy's point about and the center falling cr- apart. And here's what's really fucking frightening about that idea is that the things to be critical of Obama about are the things that he ratified and legitimized from the Bush administration when, yes, there was a complete madness in 2004. There was a complete, sorry, there was a complete escalation of, uh, uh, let's call it illiberalism, let's call it fascism in this country. And Obama came into office, you know, having promised, you know, change. And we all assumed again, because it was, it's honestly the same dynamic that, okay, this will be the negation of Bushism. And we're going to have like a good rational society said, oh, actually, we're going to keep the drones. We're going to keep the kill list. We're going to keep the, we're going to call the war on terror a different thing, but you know, we're going to, we're going to get rid of the, that gaudy Homeland security fucking color coding thing. But like the actual, uh, uh, the actual process of it, where, you know, we, we sit on top of this fucking empire of, uh, of, uh, fucking, you know, making armaments and bombing people overseas. Like that's going to continue. We're going right. to continue with our same essential class relations and we're going to cozy up to Wall Street and all of that shit. Uh, what exactly is Biden going to undo? Is Biden going to, to abolish ICE? No, he said no. Is he going to abolish right. police? No. Is he, How is he going to reform these things in a meaningful way? He's already talking about being more hawk, hawkish on China, right? So hey. potentially ratcheting up the uh, war machine in the Pacific. That doesn't sound very liberal and peaceful to me. Okay, I feel like... The latest thing uh, that Trump did that is is genuinely appalling that we should all, you know, it is really a mask-off thing that is uh, uh, something that we would uh, want to assassinate a foreign leader for doing is he just banned two very popular apps. That's right. And, uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, we we would often, uh, our press corps will report on a foreign leader banning 
a, you know, by fiat, a communications network and say this is evidence of them, uh, their uh, dictatorial tendencies. Uh, Well, Biden just banned WeChat and TikTok and uh, I'm sorry, Trump just did. Would Biden uh, undo that decision? No, because he's a hawk on fucking China and TikTok is owned by a Chinese company. Right. So what you're saying is that the the entire Obama administration was essentially like putting a nice, smooth patina, uh, kind of sanding off the rough edges of the Bush administration and regularizing and, and codifying all, almost all of the same policies, but with a smiley face. And then, so, of course, Trump, as we know, comes in and takes those all to an obscene, absurd, vulgar to, level. going to stop the prosecution of Julian Assange. I mean, no. these, are, these are actual, these are <laughs> actual consequential matters. Right. And everyone is just saying, well, just because it's an election, we're just not going to talk about it. Well, fuck that. No, this is important because, honestly, I really think that Biden will win. I think right now it looks like he'll win. looks that way. Of course he might not, but I think he will. And, frankly, I have seen this fucking movie before. When a Democrat president comes in with a Democrat Congress, and they do not make a market improvement in our current situation. And, of course, you know, uh, I'm not claiming that... Uh, uh, the the function of the state, electoral politics, uh, should be expected to do that. But I'm saying, if you're going to buy into this shit, you should be aware of it. And frankly, I want to know on you know what where people stand on these issues. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think the argument floated by some uh, commentators on the left is that you know Biden is terrible, just like Trump, yeah. but it's a binary choice. That's right sitting before us. And I, I'm not totally convinced that Biden would be substantially better than Trump in terms of life saved, but probably a few, probably a few lives saved. And they're saying, you know, why are you going to throw these, you know, handful of people under the bus for something that is much more ideological, long term and tough to prove? Right. And also they have the idea that Biden will surround himself with slightly better people than Trump and uh, he they'll be slightly more susceptible to uh, pressure be, from the outside plunderers, from all right. of the uh, you know the grassroots well, movements that, happening I in the streets. I dispute that they'll be susceptible to that uh, to that uh, I mean he's already promised right now right now the the left uh, you know, argument, the argument from these fucking open letters from, you know, uh, 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 prominent gray haired leftists is actually let's all just get on board with this. That's it. So, OK, what exactly what pressure what is, is going this? to be applied yeah. to the Biden administration when they hold all the cards? There's no well, there's no there's no demand inherent to these letters. Here's the thing. I don't think the left really has any leverage at this point. No, I agree. So I like, agree, which is why the presidential campaign is totally orthogonal to any the, kind of like actual material activity that the left could be engaged in. Here, mm-hmm. Here's why 100%. I don't think exactly. it matters that much if the left supports Joe Biden. Right. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like they've made it very clear that they're not going to give us anything. Right. So what are his, you his response to everything, him? everything people question him on, whether it's like his promise to veto Medicare for all, his support of mass incarceration, deportation. If Biden wins when he comes into office, then he needs to be resisted with the same vigor as Trump. Yeah, no, right. his, his answer to everything is like, oh, go fucking vote for Trump then. And then we're going to blame you for the bad shit that happens to people. 
But um, I I think it's important to examine the arguments being made. Sure. I mean, right? there's no there's no. Because I mean, like what you said, there's no ask in these letters. So what's the point here? What am I What am I doing? It's what moral I, blackmail. It feels like, a little bit like, like good boy points for it's supporting virtue Biden. signaling. It's virtue signaling. It really is. Me into the administration. Like, thank you for your support, Virgil. <laughs> no, I mean, he just defeated. He just defeated the left populist candidate, and they've made it very fucking clear that they're not even going to let the progressives get their foot in the door. Yeah, at the convention or elsewhere. That they don't give a shit about making the Bernie people Which happy. Which is the same. I'm they, sorry. This is the same thing for my entire adult life since I voted for motherfucking Ralph Nader in the year 2000 in Bush versus Gore. The same fucking dynamic. How long, how many fucking decades of my life must we work this same fucking dynamic? Understand. And how long are people going to fall for this bullshit? I can understand a transaction with the Biden sure. administration that yes. says something like, okay, okay. We'll all support you if, you know, we get some kind of electoral reform. We get we get uh, something that lets us play in the game right. a little better, uh, which was kind of the gamut of the Sanders uh, uh, post-2016, uh, 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 his activities and trying to reform the DNC, which, yeah. frankly, honestly, he didn't get enough. Sorry. Yeah, apparently not. <laughs> well, okay. I think it's still important to figure out among ourselves as leftists what the right thing to do is in this scenario. Okay, sure. Well, let's, uh, sure. let's hear, let's hear even, more. Even if, you know, they've made it very quick, like their Democrats are terrible. Like we know that as a given, they don't really give a shit about us. They're trying to morally blackmail us into voting for Biden, whatever, whatever. We should still figure out what the right position is to have for ourselves and for the world. I mean, this is, is of course, a part of, you know, what's the the process of the left in the post-Bernie era, which is kind of figure out where our bearings are, what our resources are and what the direction forward is. And honestly, and I don't think it should be overly complicated by moral blackmail from liberals. No, yeah. I, I can honestly but see it smart from both sides and kind of inebriated enough <laughs> to ignore the 5G waves coming from the Biden administration and be able to figure things out. I've yeah. got my anti-Biden tinfoil hat on right so now. So if you're, if you're listening to this and you want to know, you know, what's the path forward for the left? We're, we're about to, to we're figure, it out right now. And figure it out. So, so like, OK, in this letter from Mitch Abbott, Door, uh, friend of the show. guest, friend of the show, very weird, personal friend of mine, very, very weird. That, uh, very, very nice happened. man who didn't morally blackmail me when I met him in person. Uh, he had maybe one of the meanest letters, it was in the New York Times, the paper of record, in which he refers to the SDS letter and the headline. Maybe he didn't write the headline, but it was like. These young socialists think they have courage. They don't. Like, okay, bro. Tell me how you really feel, <laughs> friend of the Antifada Mijabador. But he basically makes a, a privilege argument oh, when gosh. he says, um, I'm going to quote this passage. Righteousness is not too strong a word. Maintaining doctrinal purity which, you know, already you're strawmanning the reasons, no. the other reasons leftists might have for no. not supporting Joe Biden. And, and Mitch... My doctrine is pure as fuck. Mm-hmm. I've got the most untainted <laughs> doctrinal views you could ever imagine. Well, I think that I'm he never... thinks that's the problem. Oh, the I thought that was good. <laughs> what is Wait, doctrinal purity? doctrinal like, purity. Like Joe Biden's part of our cadre. Is, uh, uh, Mitch, Mitch is talking about left comms, I think. Is a big reason many leftists are refusing to endorse Mr. Biden. Another Jacobin article argued that having the Democratic Socialists of America support a lesser evil candidate would have major ramifications for dot, 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 the Democratic Socialists of America. Ooh, got us. He continues. 
Are those the ramifications that American socialists should be worrying about? Jacobin and its readers and members of the Democratic Socialists of America are largely white, largely college educated, largely American citizens. If Mr. Trump is reelected, they could spend the next four years suffering little more than the pangs of political outrage. But millions of less fortunate people would suffer real consequences. Sounds like moral blackmail. Taking a principled stand is courageous only when those taking it put themselves at risk. What is what? I'm sorry. What is what? How are non-college educated non-citizens going to fare under a Biden administration. I mean, look, you can yeah. point to a few isolated things. You can look I at DACA. You can look at the, I guess, the Medicaid expansion and the deaths under COVID. That's not up to Biden is the Medicaid expansion. Um, okay. Well, look at the COVID deaths, right? That's we've not up to, we've seen, seen it's, it's bad when states are left to do this for I themselves. Mean, they don't the have the resources. Of, we've seen the breakdown of our 250-year-old system of federalism in the United States because there's been no national federal leadership on this. You've started to have states like implement together in concert, several of them, like different measures in different places, which is really like... Uh, shows the the inherent contradiction of having a president to begin with who can't actually make states do things but can only like recommend things and hope that people follow well, look, but i want to note that uh, sorry having democratic governance in new york state did not prevent what 20,000 covid deaths it didn't didn't stop our governor from mandating in the beginning of the crisis in early april that nursing homes take people suffering from COVID that they're, they're mandated to take those people into nursing homes, which itself caused like 10,000 deaths. I remember in the early days when, you know, there was uh, that patient zero in New York, the, the fucking guy from Westchester who went around and... Oh, know, I thought that was Chapo Trap House when you guys came back from your West Coast tour. Yeah, that was... Uh, <laughs> that was Brendan James. He's not with us anymore. Um, oh, he passed. I'm sorry. And, uh, you know, there were like, uh, uh, you know, he had infected some people and... Uh, Bill de Blasio went on TV and said, well, we're not showing out Broadway. The show must go on. You fucking moron. Well, okay. And as Jamie said earlier, I'm sorry, but it was only the threat of a strike by the United Federation of Teachers in the United States that got them to actually back down on it. So it took real pressure to make de Blasio cave on that. Okay. Well, uh, I have a few thoughts on this. Um, a, like... You want to take this privilege argument on its face. You can make that in both directions, right? Like, you can look at all the people who died in Iraq. You can look at all of the uh, disproportionately black and brown people who are still in jail as a result of the 1994 crime bill, which Biden was a big part of supporting. You could look at, I don't know, all the women that he sexually harassed in his career, like, Two can, can play at that you game. You can think of all of the bad MDMA we've been sold because of his rave act, which made it so much harder to get good ecstasy. <laughs> you can yeah, also I have lost countless brain cells as the result of policies that, in which he's directly implicated. And that's appropriate because it's made us so dumb that we won't support Biden. <laughs> you know, so you reap what you sow. Yeah. So, like, that's, that's one thing. Also, uh... Also, I'm sorry, there's a kind of privilege uh, for getting to write oh, open yeah. letters. Well, certainly. <laughs> also, like oh, he's... I'm privileged? Well, I've never been invited to sign an open letter. <laughs> <laughs> you fuck. The ultimate privilege. He's acting like it is a selfish thing that we want to make decisions that 
build our organization and don't harm our organization as if we're just doing it purely for our own benefit and not the belief that socialism would actually be uh, better for everybody, especially the most oppressed people. Oh, it's, yeah, it's a deeply anti-political I, argument like, that he's yeah, what making. Am I get, what am I? What am I getting out of uh, involvement in the socialist movement? Like a job? Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like I, no, I won't, get invited I won't, on open letters. I won't support Joe Biden unless he appoints me defense secretary. Like what? <laughs> uh, and I also want to note. Uh, I'm sorry, everyone who's participating with the Biden campaign, like actually doing things for Biden, donating to him, are getting things. It's a hundred percent transactional. No one's doing it out of the goodness of their fucking heart. Jeffrey Katzenberg isn't giving a million dollars to elect Biden, uh, you know, just he's like, oh, well, he's just a sensible man. No, well, fuck you. I mean, if you want to look at the basic principle at play here, right, they're saying you don't want to make this little, the, these little, uh, these little short-term benefits, this short-term harm so reduction, here's the thing, here's the thing. which they believe is, let me finish, of course, which sorry. they believe is much uh, easier to prove than the theory that we have, which is that uh, none of it's going to matter in the long run if we don't take down the capitalist system because none of these problems are going away. If anything, they are intensifying. And in order to have a prayer of a chance at doing that, we need to build our organizations and we need to be uh, doing stuff that strengthens uh, our right. power sure. as socialists and the power of the working class, which, you know, we could talk about how the historic gap that's opened up between the organized left and the wider working class. But I feel like that's a topic for another day. But like they don't think that our theory like you're basically making uh, an, an anti an anti political anti anti socialist anti communist argument because like we all understand that. Uh, the problems that we're seeing, the problems with Trump, right? They're not isolated to it's, Trump as a guy. They're not isolated to the Republican Party. They are the result of an intensifying crisis of capitalism, particularly, you know, the neoliberal form that it is in right now. And in order to solve the problems for real, uh, we're going to need to do something about that. Uh, sorry, yeah. Jay, I'm a big here's the thing guy. But here's the thing. And you you nailed it right there. Uh Sorry, I just spaced out. I got really hung up on saying here's the thing. Just, uh, <laughs> it happens. Uh, here's the thing. Here's I want thing. to be on your open letter. <laughs> no, but here's here's the thing. What are you getting from helping elect Biden or signaling that, you know, uh, I want Biden to win? Because I know what MSNBC hosts are getting. I know what liberals are getting. I know what people who expect to work in the administration are getting. They know what side their bread is buttered on. What are socialists getting? Is uh, uh, is Biden going to offer like a cabinet position to a socialist? Yeah, if he no. did that, then sure, okay, let's work together on it. But instead, he's not offering anything to socialists because he's not offering anything to anyone. <laughs> there is no offer. There is no platform. Oh, I, I saw an ad saying, uh, you know, we, we're going to increase job opportunity. Are you fucking shitting me? That's not a thing. Yeah. Fuck you. But what he's offering is generic Democrat. So it's going to be that empty signifier that you talked about. And it's, and it's super empty because it's an empty signifier of Obama, who is an empty signifier of Clinton, who is an empty <laughs> signifier of the civil rights era, like the post-civil rights era, really. So that's why you have these... these uh, uh, 
older uh, folks uh, chiming in and I almost said something rude, but uh, chiming in and saying like, you know, you need to learn our lessons from the 60s. And but what they're really just saying is like, look, Biden will probably be marginally better than Trump in terms of like court picks or whatever. Here's so please vote for him, which is fine. That's a fine argument. I respect people who say that. It's just totally irrelevant to reading the political situation right now. Yeah. Well, here's what they're actually saying. I'm old and scared of Trump, which yeah. is fine. It yeah. is scary. It is objectively bad. My simple point is, how is Biden going to be better? I... And just by claiming, well, he's not Trump, that's not enough because we watched the last Democrat president get elected by a big majority with a big Democratic majority in both houses of Congress go on to ratify our permanent state of war. And the first thing that he did was shuffle card check, which was the big policy that Obama was going to do to reinvigorate the union movement. Didn't even fucking did bring it up. Didn't even happen. touch the fucking Did not thing. fucking happen. So, and it's fucking, they fucking slaughtered Acorn yep. right there, which honestly cost them a few seats in Congress in 2010 and pretty much directly led to Trump being, uh, to Trump winning. When I, when I, when these I, are not, these are not, these are not quibbles. This isn't, this isn't purism. These are not abstract No, issues. this these is policy. This is actual. Material yeah. effects on our society. And as well, here's the big thing hanging over it all, is that the real threat of Trump is not that he's going to institute fascism because he's too incompetent to do right. that. It's that he's going to inspire every fucking racist and empower every fucking racist in the fucking country, which he has done, which we are living through. And I'm sorry, liberalism does not have an answer to make people not racist anymore. They just do not. And right now, and I'm mean, sorry, for, for my entire adult life, their entire position has to be has been to compromise with racism. Right. Every fucking Democrat lecturing you to, to say you support Joe Biden has voted to increase the number of Border Patrol agents, has voted to uh, increase uh, the budget for the military, to DHS. To militarize the, the police. Uh, you know, a handful of them, you know, people like AOC or the squad, at least they will come up and they will vote and say, no, we want to fucking defund these things and they'll fucking put their money where their mouth is. Good. But that is a tiny minority, tiny minority. of the Democratic yeah. coalition L listen, right now. Listen, three, four days ago, like three, four progressives uh, won some primaries against like establishment incumbent Democrats. And people got really super psyched. They got really super hyped online. Oh, this is the progressive wave we were waiting for. Seriously, how long, if we continue this trajectory that we're on right now, how long until we have one-third of the Democratic Party who's, like, out-and-out out left liberal and progressive? So why does 30 fucking years? And so when I, when I was, like, yelling earlier about Ralph Nader, this feels like... This feels like a replay of the first election that I voted in, this moral blackmail and this kind of, like, twisting of the actual stakes of, of what this political struggle looks like into something that becomes more like an aesthetic-type choice. I don't think, and I think this is part of what Jamie, all the stuff that, Jamie, you've been bringing up about you know, these, uh, these open letters and people from the boomer left trying to tell us how to not make the same mistakes they did, how to like vote pragmatically, how to not be privileged, how to not have doctrinal purity, even though I'm very proud of my doctrinal purity, thank you very much, right? I don't think it's working anymore. 
I don't think part of why they're so why it's different now is that I think for listeners of the show, certainly, certainly for all of us, and I think for a growing cohort of people, especially the ones that you saw as the center at the center of the democratic socialist movement around Bernie Sanders, I don't think it's working anymore. I don't think you can browbeat people who have a systemic anti-capitalist analysis into going down the same fucking road that we've been going down since yeah. Bill Clinton I mean, in the some, 1990s. Yeah, I don't think it's going to work. Feels different about something it. feels different about and it. And like, now. we hear from the people at the majority report and Sam gets these, we get these kinds of calls like fair amount from folks where they're like, I sucked it up. I voted for Clinton. I sucked it up. I voted for other Clinton. Uh, I sucked it up. I voted for Obama. And not like, I don't know if I can do it again this time because nothing ever changes. I mean, we had a a guy, a black guy who had been personally affected by the crime bill. Who was doing identity politics. uh, Sure. Uh, The good kind who has family members who are still in jail as a result of these uh, mandatory minimum sentences. The guy who got a life sentence for stealing hedge clippers. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, Sam, I just don't know if I can do this again. And, you know, Sam was basically like, you know, would you rather be shot or stabbed? Like, this is a binary choice. You got to you got to choose the one that's like slightly less. Why, deaths. Does, Trump, why does Trump have and, a fucking Nazi military force? He can deploy to the border. He can deploy to fucking uh, uh, brown bag fucking protesters because Democrats voted for him. Of course, because Democrats voted for that. The whole argument against. That. That's well, what I was going to say Sorry. was I'm sympathetic to the utilitarian argument, uh, especially from uh, from liberals who really aren't uh, are skeptical of our theory of change and what we need to do to actually yeah. unfuck the world. Dumb, dumb babies, but the morons. thing that I'm trying to explain is that uh, to somebody say say like we we have a uh, hundred deaths a month under Trump, right? And 99 deaths a month under Biden, the utilitarian logical choices. Oh, Biden's better. But to the friends and family of those 99 people who are still dying, or, you know, it's actually way, way, way more than that. Um, I could see how that wouldn't seem like a very meaningful difference to Why them. Why are there deaths? I would like no deaths. It's no just a deaths. fucking mass madness. That's not an option. <laughs> I'm sorry. Fuck You're off. just doing purity <laughs> politics and you say what? Doctrinal. No deaths. So here's Look, the, so okay, so if the Republicans <laughs> want a million deaths and we want no deaths, the comp, the pragmatic compromise is to have uh, half, half a million, million deaths. So here's, so here's, here's the problem. Here's, here's my, or like, here's, yeah, 900,000 if you're the Democrats. Here's my analysis for you, Sean. Because right For now, real. The left is desultory. It's in the woods. And there have been some, like, limited successes in these primaries, which have been good. And it's good to have, like, a little, you know, dopamine hit for those. Sure, a little pick-me-up. But right now, there's no kind of centralized left movement that there might be in other countries, for instance, that have organized socialist or communist parties. And they have, you know, multi-party parliamentary systems. Right now, it's, it's just sort of competing individual uh interests and there's there's a few um there's a few nodes that that people are organizing around the dsa for instance uh but you know the bernie sanders campaign that was what swept all of this together that's ended and we're just kind of picking up the pieces right now and in the absence of that it's just 
impossible to engage in politics in a meaningful way. Because I could imagine there being a large, well-organized socialist movement in this country that could go to the Biden campaign and say, okay, we're going to support you for X, Y, and Z. And like have an actual transaction. Instead, Bernie Sanders endorsed Biden right away, yep. asking for nothing. AOC endorsed Biden right away. We don't have Shout any out to way. Rashida Tlaib for not doing that. We don't have any way of getting together and demanding a concession and saying, okay, we will work with you to be Trump, but, you know, we're going to want something. Well, here, here's the deal. All right. And that's what I hate about these fuck. And that's what I hate about these fucking letters because they're saying, "Well, you guys are just doing politics." And it's like, no, you're doing politics. <laughs> you're fucking gaslighting me. Fuck you're your not head. not doing politics. When, when um, I mean, let's let's just step back for a second and look at it objectively. I've been saying this for for many years now on this show and elsewhere, but I think it is manifestly the case now to all of us in this room, we can see it, and all the people out listening, that the greatest threat to the working class, to all of us and our interests is the Democratic Party. It's not the Republican Party. The Bernie Sanders people tried twice now. They tried twice to break through into this network of power to try to take it over, to co-opt it, or even to influence it yeah. in some direction or another. It's fucking impossible. The Democratic Party is the enemy of the working class and needs to literally be destroyed. You, it's, if it's an enemy, you can't debate with it. You can't do transactional politics with it. You literally have to tear it apart from the fucking roots and destroy it. So the sooner we can get away from this, like, oh, well, this one really nice candidate managed to beat, like, a, a moderate in this particular race, and it really shows how we're having such an influence in electoral politics and in the Democratic Party, the sooner we drop this fucking, and I'll use a Michael Bre Brooks uh, term right here, rest, rest in, in peace, peace, this fucking delusion that you could do anything within <laughs> The Democratic Party, the, the, the illusion that you could actually affect that politics, the illusion that you can't try and strive every single day, if you're talking about mainstream politics in the United States, strive to absolutely fucking destroy this reactionary entity, that's a fucking delusion. And everybody needs to get that through their heads right now. Don't get fucking, don't let them shake the keys and then you bat away at it, thinking that there's some sort of bright future out there where the Democrats are going to be not what they are. They're the fucking entity. Enemy. Well, we don't just need to destroy it, though, right? We need no, to replace we need to destroy it, with it first. First, we need to destroy it. I don't care what ha what comes after it. We have to we destroy it. We need to repeal it. and first, replace first, the Democratic no. Party. First, no, because we have to elect Joe Biden. If, <laughs> first, <you're> if <laughs> we just destroy the Democratic Party. Uh, the fear is, oh, the only thing left with any power will be the Republican Party. But we're fucking and then they Marxists. We're kill the rest of us. Guys, are we not Marxists? We're, right? we're, do, we not, <laughs> do we not believe, ultimately, whether we're communists or socialists or anarchists, but we're pretty much all Marxists here, that like the class struggle exists whether or not you have a particular party or another one. Well, here's where it goes back to dual goes power. On. It still exists. We're specifically at a point that happens to coincide with the presidential election, but more importantly, we're seeing the complete dissolution of the uh, post-industrial economy. Yes! Here's where it goes back to dual power, though, right? Because uh, 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 uh. if we don't have... Like, uh, the reason so many working-class people maybe uh, agreed with Medicare for All but voted for Biden anyway, especially if we're talking about older black voters of the South, right, which is one of the most important uh, fractions of the working class for a Democratic primary as a voting bloc, 
Um, you have the complete defeat of the organized labor movement. You have the death of black radicalism, often by right. literal murder. Right. And the only institution with any power that's left standing in between you and these uh, extremely racist Republican ghouls is the only kind of racist Democratic Party. So if you want people to choose something else, that we have to build a new kind of power that will actually reassure people that people will actually trust to uh, be able to protect them and, you know, empower people to protect themselves from this very obviously evil death cult that is operating in the world. Like, I fucking get it. So if we want people to be able to look beyond the Democratic Party, if we want to fight this depoliticization that has occurred at so many levels of society, um, we're going to need to build some independent power of our own, right? But then you, it's tricky because uh, you yeah. do you do you build it by saying fuck you to electoralism entirely and just well, have a bunch of labor unions and tenant unions to, and militant? All I would love to see right now is a vigorous third party candidacy of someone who said, no, fuck you. Day one, I'm going to sign an executive order giving health care to everyone. I don't give a shit about what the rules are. Fuck off. Everyone gets health care. Everyone will get treated. No one has to worry about fucking medical debt. Everyone will get tests. Everyone will get serum tests. Everything that you need. Uh, if we don't have enough masks, we're going to take over a factory and we're going to have them make some fucking masks. Everyone will get masks. Everyone gets hand sanitizer. If we are going to pay people to stay home and we're going to end the fucking madness. And honestly, I'm Joe Biden should be saying these things, even if he doesn't mean them. And it's honestly striking that he doesn't have to say them. Well, you can't just have a candidate saying Jesse those Ventura. things, though, right? Like, if but that were the case, this, then someone, yeah, right, Howie someone, Hawkins would be right, someone has, a viable have, candidate. Someone like, has to have the, a certain level of, of influence and, and, and authority, and there has to be an organized well, you, left yeah, behind Yeah, you need a mass person. movement. This, right. And if just by doing the rhetoric, you're putting the cart before the horse, which was always my fear about the Bernie Sanders campaign, right? See, because a, the I difference in rhetoric I is good, you. but is it enough without independent working class power? No. And then you say, well, how do you get that independent working class power? And that's where leftists disagree. See, I would agree with you if I did not just watch an imbecile game show host bullshit his way to the presidency <laughs> with and, no social and, well, and he, has, he has a base this though movement. like Trump right, does have a base he moved the base and it's yeah. not just he sculpted it it's well I mean let's, let's, and, it, uh, and it's mostly on the rhetorical level like it's not because they're getting anything. No, no. they're well, pissed off. I mean, the traditional base of the Republican Party is still around, and they are getting something, right? They're getting tax breaks. Right, he delivered a, on that for that's them. A small number. I'm talking about the hoopleheads. I mean, I would say it's more than just the one percent. I would say it's a good like thirty percent of the population whose uh, material interests are very much aligned with the ideology of the ideologically unified Republican Party. Thirty percent of the population. But, I'm sorry. If even if you're like a fucking well-paid dentist, do you want fucking people coming in with coronavirus? No. Let's, this is a fucking... Well, that, that fucking complicates shit. things a little bit. And also, you know, uh, like the actual tax bill did fucking hurt high, uh, relatively higher income people. So I got a few things I want to get off my chest, all right? Um, like what Sean was talking about before, about the squad and electoral tactics and how, you know, maybe the squad will be up to like... Mm, 10, 20, 30 
Congress people before the shit hits the fan and we just fall into whatever terrible thing is coming after neoliberal capitalism if we don't uh, manage to do the thing. Um, I think a point that I feel like people on both sides don't always get is like all of the routes to change are hard and we are probably fucked no matter what. And, you know, it sounds crazy to people, to liberals, to electoralists whose theories of change run through the bourgeois electoral system as a centerpiece and, you know, labor movements, street movements, whatever, as sort of uh, peripheral, that um, it sounds like what we're proposing is very hard. And that is true, right? Building a mass working class base to have a revolution to overthrow capitalism and defend against the counter-revolution, probably involving some violence at some point in time, although I would also like to spotlight that it's not like there's no violence going on right now when people die because they don't have health care. Is that not violent? When people are literally murdered by the police, is that not violence? So, you know, we always got to view that in perspective. But I will admit, yes, that is going to be pretty hard. It's a hard project. It's a long-term project. But I posit that the, uh, the electoral road is equally hard, right? Reform under the current system and circumstances is also incredibly difficult and long-term and unprovable that you're going to win. So given the fact that both of these things are equally difficult and equally daunting tasks, um, I would prefer the one that is actually going to change our world system and solve the problems in some kind of uh, long-term way. Dead ass. So I had a few more thoughts about the leftist relationship to Biden. Maybe this is just a trick I've played on my own mind, right? So that I can concede this point when I'm talking to libs. Because, uh, like, if liberals think I'm an asshole because I refuse to say that I want Biden to win over Trump, they're not going to listen to anything else that I say. And I want them to. I want them to listen to me. And this is something, like voting or even like saying that I would vote for Biden in a swing state is something that matters a lot more to them than it does to me. So I'm usually willing to concede that point because it costs me very little. And uh, if it makes people listen to me, fine. And I'm not even 100% sure what I think on the matter. I'm like kind of agnostic because I can see it from both sides. And I've almost justified it to myself in sort of a like a roundabout ultra left way where like I am like fairly skeptical of the relationship that the Bernie Sanders campaign uh, bore to the uh, fight to abolish the value form in the first place, <laughs> right? Like, I, I can see the arguments, and we had on Shuja Hader and went over many of them. Um, I have talked to... Hey, stop it. She Bad always cat. scratches the couch just she when just I'm like, getting attention. on a thing. Sorry, go on, Shuja like, Hader. Like I'll the, deal with the cat. She's the, doing what all humans do, what all creatures do, change their environment so they're remembered. Oh my After god! She, yeah, no. That you is can probably her little still find little some, Corbusier over here. That is her art. You can probably still find some claw marks from Leo. Rest in power. Um, but what was I saying? Um, Suja hater. Talk, oh yeah. yeah. So like the idea behind DSA endorsing Bernie wasn't just one of harm reduction. It was based on the theory that the fight to elect Bernie and the fight for these reforms would uh, win or lose, strengthen the working class's 
organization, the DSA's organization and ability to fight in a variety of ways. Um, and not just because of the reforms that Bernie might have done, like ramping down U.S. imperialism or card check or whatever, but even just the fight itself gets us in touch with more of the working class, helps us get organized, yada, yada. I was never 100% on board with the theory of that. I thought it was worth a try. But the primary reason I supported Bernie and, you know, the only one that I'm like 100 percent sure about is as a good unto itself. Right. As as harm reduction, basically, because, you know, what, even if it has no relationship to building communism, it's still better for people to have health care than for them not to have health care. And maybe just maybe if the working class is a little less immiserated, they'll be a little more empowered to to fight for better wages on the job. You know, if you lose your job, you don't have health care. That's bad. Whatever. But um. Like the main reason I supported it was a good unto itself as a way of reducing the harms of capitalism, even if I was not convinced that it would hasten the fall of capitalism in any way, shape or form. Now, if you look at that as the only reason and you put that on a spectrum, uh, the harm reduction arguments being made for Biden are like fairly analogous to that and don't have a huge discursive difference in my mind. Right. Like Biden, uh, he would certainly be less of a harm reducer than a Bernie Sanders. But it's still it's like the same general principle. So like based on that, it's actually easier for, you know, a left com adjacent person like myself to be like, all right, fine. I fucking hope Biden beats Trump, whatever. Versus if you're more invested in electoralism as a tactic, if you're more invested in, you know, fighting the Democrats and using their ballot line parasitically and not moving an inch when you lose and just keeping up the fight, then it becomes much more an important question whether or not uh, the socialist left, the anti-capitalist left should, um, you know, intervene in this fucking general election shit show in any kind of way. So that's like the little bedtime story I've been telling myself anyway to like make it a little bit easier to swallow. But that's probably just me being cynical because I do ping pong back and forth uh, between, you know, the influence of my uh, boomer ass boss who is a social Democrat and my uh, my uh, left com uh, podcast friends. I think, you know, I was I was trying to go off on this in the beginning of the episode, and I think based on what Jamie's saying, it's a good time to try it again. I've been saying that the U.S. imperium, global American domination over the entire capitalist world, uh, which has been around for about 70 years or so, is collapsing. That is a material reality that is happening. We're seeing it. Trump is not doing that, as the liberals say. Trump is a reflection of that happening. He's also not doing it as the Trump people say. Right. <laughs> so we have to take that into account. And, and the way that the Bernie Sanders campaign, which I thought historically made sense, right, as a sort of like stabilizing mechanism for capital to have a sort of left populist moment. Corbyn, the same thing, and AMLO yeah. and Melanchon and all. You know, I yeah. thought that there was something rational and reasonable about that. The fact that that proved to be impossible, the fact that uh, the, system, the system such as we have it was unable to incorporate this sort of populism, very rational into itself, I think shows us something. And, I, and Bernie Sanders was, and I'll say was because it's over now, the last chance 
for us to feather bed out of Empire, for us to go gently into that good night. Maybe. Maybe. Bye it was bye, our last shot. Bye-bye. We could have had, we could have, it was like Clement Attlee in 1945, right? He beats Churchill. He's the labor leader. He sees that the empire, the British empire, American all empire, over the world. You look terrible. Bye-bye. <laughs> go home. <laughs> they, Attlee gave at least national health, the national health service, built public housing, had like a, a real social democratic moment as Britain fell off the cliff in terms of yeah. being a global power. Yeah. Bernie Sanders was that opportunity, but the American system and ultimately the American people and certainly the ruling class said, we don't want to go quietly into that good night. We don't want to go out with a whimper. We want to go out with a bang. And now we're fucking in it. All right. Like, I don't want to scare people and I don't, I'm not going to argue or try to tell you that everything is going to get really, really horribly bad and you should pick up an AK-47 right now. Yeah, don't might pick up do an AK-47 out of fear, guys. Yeah. <laughs> However... We, out of hope. we, all of us, all of us in the United States and all of us affected by the United States, which is everybody in the entire world, all working class people, we are now destined, whether it's Biden or whether it's Trump, to pass through the fire. We're going to pass through a very chaotic and a very frightening moment in world history that might last the rest of our lives. But the idea that we can resurrect... I burn so easily. <laughs> the idea that we can, we can we can try to resurrect, resurrect some like civilized social democratic policies that's going to bring us gently into a nice, quiet future with a Green New Deal and Medicare for All, I think conclusively that that future is not happening and we need to start acting and planning as though it's not happening because it's not. Well, here's the other value, I think. I think you're, you're very correct. Um, something I've talked about with Andy actually a little bit is it like people ask me, why are you even in the DSA if you are an electoral skeptic? Why are you even in the DSA if you're communist? You know, it's not why called do the, anything. It's not called the <laughs> communist. Why do you America. get up in the morning? Yeah. <laughs> why, why not just like join something else? And, you know, fair enough. But A, like, what other thing... Yeah, join one of those <laughs> successful communist organizations. Join, join the Swamp What Maoists. other thing am I going to join? Yeah, if there was a, a viable organization to ah, the left the of DSA, I would certainly join it. But um, I think the value in having communists and electoral skeptics participating in this movement, even as we are skeptical of it, is we're participating alongside a lot of people who are still in the earlier phases of their political journey, shall we say, and they still really believe in this stuff. And then when they see it fail, they're going to be looking for answers. And they're not going to listen to the answers of someone like me if I've just been sitting on the sidelines the whole time saying like shitty, undermining things about it. Although I feel but, like I have done a little bit of that. But being doctrinally pure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they're looking for answers and they're going to be radicalized. And if there's nobody around who has an alternate explanation, if there's nobody around who has an alternate theory of change, um, then they're just going to double down on the same uh, the same electoral tactics that have been really slow to work. Uh, <laughs> uh, to, I, uh, to echo what Sean said, we are Karen's asking to speak to the manager of the current world system. <laughs> uh, Apple Care told me that this thousand year reign of American hegemony would last a thousand years. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, Is that out of warranty though at this point? <laughs> 
okay, well, I didn't know when I signed the <laughs> warranty. Uh, it was a different manager who told me this. <laughs> I think he... He's standing right out of frame laughing. <laughs> Will uh, you please go in the back and see? We had this conversation just now. About two hours of this that conversation. That man wasn't wearing a mask? We... <laughs> we had... We... We indulged ourselves in the browbeating. We indulged ourselves in understanding how a anti-capitalist left engages with all of this shit. We like got deep into like what should you do? How should you think of this? How should you understand it? What are our responsibilities? Blah, 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 blah. This entire conversation, I'm not saying it was a bad one, right? But the entire conversation about Biden versus Trump and like this entire electrical ci- electoral cycle <laughs> has... As one of its main goals, in order uh, the the desire to take our energies and our interests and put them in a certain direction towards a certain series of actions, mostly voting, right? But also more generally believing that this system will continue and will be good. I don't think I have to remind people, because it's only August of 2020, that we are coming off the heels of the largest insurrection in American history, we still have protests in the streets. We have people in Portland who are fighting their fucking asses off, getting arrested by like unmarked feds and unmarked vans. We had at one point millions, tens of millions of people in cities all over this country standing mm. up against police brutality. And in many cases, standing up against the idea of the police themselves, a very radical moment that we are still in, in the United States. And a hopeful moment. And a hopeful one. And one that was based on like material and social conditions, yes. not mediated by a fucking politician. Just today, just fucking today. What's today's date? August 8th, 2020. The people of Lebanon having faced a horrific accident in Beirut, which killed over 100 people, damaged their entire downtown. A nuclear bomb going off. It looked, like a nuke. it looked like a nuke. It was some capitalist was storing some dangerous materials and they ended up blowing up and killing a bunch of people. The people of Lebanon, especially the youth, used this opportunity to, to bring back what they had been doing right before COVID came, which is taking the streets against the fucking government of Lebanon. In 2019, they were protesting en masse. Today, they took over the fucking Ministry of Justice, took over the Ministry of the Economy, and occupied the Bankers Association of Beirut. They have taken these places over. They have taken the streets, and they're back, right? After COVID, put this mass movement on their ass. The people of Lebanon are back. Now, you see, you got Black Lives Matter, and you've got that. I have a whole fucking list here, all right? The original protest in Lebanon started because the government of Lebanon was trying to put a tax on voice calls in WeChat and millions of people took to the streets and burned shit. In Chile, in 2019, mass, mass demonstrations, millions of people, including organized communists and socialists, protested against them raising the fucking bus fares. In Hong Kong, we know that that was sparked off by government extradition. In Haiti, it was a rise in fuel prices. In France, with the gilets jaunes, it was a tax on fuel. In the Sudan, it was a rise in bread prices. In Iran, it was a rise in fuel prices. In Colombia, it was the repression of indigenous peoples and labor 
we're leaders, while we are sitting here, while we're thinking, while we're being inundated by information and mm-hmm. browbeaten browbeat by these calls to immerse ourselves, to fall into this large-scale event of mass democracy where our voices can be heard, there are movements happening in the street. There have been, for the last several years, millions upon millions of people who are fighting real day-to-day social material issues. They're fighting in the streets. It's not particularly organized, and it's very inchoate what was happening before COVID, but it looks like it's coming back now, right? It looks like it's coming back, and we have it here in the United States. So if we're socialists, if we're communists, if we're anarchists, if we're Marxists, right, we can, you know, we can listen to these arguments from these people. Maybe it takes you an hour to pull the lever on election day or sign the ballot and send it in or whatever, but we should be looking all over the world at what has been happening in this unprecedented fashion in the last couple of years and looking to that for our future, right? Not looking to Joe Biden for our future. And sorry, old man, but Bernie Sanders isn't our future either. The future's in the fucking streets, right? And the sooner we recognize that and pull ourselves away from this electoral spectacle that comes every four years, the better fucking off we are. We're in an unprecedented social, economic, and political crisis. The the triple crisis, as I call it, of an COVID. An omni-crisis. An omni-crisis. The entire system, the legitimacy has fallen away. And that is what we should be focusing on because the liberals... The conservatives, they don't have the way out of this crisis because there is no way out of this crisis, right? They don't have any solutions because the crisis is capitalism. The crisis is a crisis of the capitalist state. The crisis is 30 million people in the United States about to be evicted from their fucking apartments and their homes over the next couple months. That is the crisis, and they're doing fucking nothing to deal with it. We are materialists. We are communists. We are the ones that know what has to be done. What has to be done is this endless train of capitalist contradictions needs to be overcome by abolishing the fucking value form. So if that's doctrinal purity, I'll fucking take it. I'll be pure enough to throw a brick through the fucking... Yeah, take that out. Parody. I will be very pure. <laughs> and, and we need to focus on the real goal, on the real game, which is overcoming this entire fucking rotten system that cannot be reformed, not through the Democrats, not in any fashion. It's far too late for us to be playing these fucking capitalist games. You heard it here first. Take to the streets, demand that Joe Biden become president. Exactly. <laughs> Because as revolutionary Marxists, we need to delegitimize the state and the Democratic Party. And honestly, there's no better way to do that than to have Joe Biden president. (laughs) I fear that Trump may be a more legitimate force for the continuation of the American empire. Folks, we figured it out. We told you we would figure it out. And we figured it out. Get behind Joe. <laughs> uh, Chairman Joe. People of Lebanon, get behind Joe Biden. And not to... Kenya, get behind Joe Biden. People of Chile, Venezuela. People of Sudan. Bolivia, Cuba. <laughs> an injury to Biden is an injury to all. <laughs> I my time Cause that's the kind of guy Beginning on Monday, right through Sunday, biding my time. Next year, next year, something's bound to happen. This year, this year, I'll just keep on napping. Bye. Time.
that's the kind of guy There's no regret in when I'm setting Biding my time Give me, give me Glass that's full of tinkle Let me, let me Dream like a rib vine a winkle He's bided his time And like that winkle guy Chasing way flies How the day flies Biding my time I'm biding my time I'm biding 